Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Inner Healing After Narcissistic Abuse podcast. My name is Jasmine and today on Coffee Conversations, which is a new segment I'm doing, I'm here with Carmen and Nicole to talk about our journey navigating narcissistic abuse and in particular what the journey has looked like uh, just before leaving the relationship what was the catalyst for leaving and then what life has really looked like since leaving the relationship. So thanks so much for joining me, Carmen and Nicole. Mm, yes. Thanks for having us. Yes. Great. So um, I want to kind of get started and have you guys share a little bit about what life looked like before the relationship finished, like the last kind of few months as things had you know, assumingly escalated and gotten worse. What kind of was going on for you at the time? Well, personally, for me, it was quite a um, a confusing struggle of uh, never, never being good enough, never being able to meet the mark, and it was constantly me trying to work harder to achieve something that that was wanted from me in in that relationship but always never really feeling that the person was then satisfied when when I had met that and then starting to feel really really exhausted as well and and confused as to but yes I've now done this and now I'm doing this for you and always getting caught up in in him in his world and his stress levels and trying to keep the peace and the walking on eggshells and so do you, did you find this, that goalposts were changing they were and they like were. more frequently maybe would you say definitely more yeah. frequently yeah, yeah yeah definitely yes yeah. my story is similar to nicole very much the goalposts would change and dramatically so you'd think that you had found a way to keep him happy and then mm. life would be okay um and then it just escalated again um, my NARC was very good at um, making it, I, by the time the progression of the decline of the relationship, I actually thought I was the one who had all the issues. So I wasn't good enough and I wasn't mm. smart enough or whatever. I just, it just, he took responsibility for nothing, which is obviously a very NARC trait. Yes. But he was very good at being able to turn it on everyone around him, particularly me. Um, the NARCs are often called the... Um, uh, uh, street angel home devil and that was exactly how his persona was mm. to people around mm-hmm. us he was charming yes. and a smart businessman and a good father yes. and all my girlfriends were really um, uh, envious because we looked like the power couple but behind closed doors particularly behind the bedroom door mm. he was really nasty yes. really nasty and by the time I in planning the exit, I actually truly thought I was just about going mad. There was nothing left of me. So you actually thought that you were the problem? Absolutely, 100%. And did you think that he didn't have any problems? Like you you took that all on yourself? I I think towards the end of the relationship, your confidence takes a complete beating with a person like that. Mm. Um, and, And in hindsight, I can see it now, but at the time... We'd gone to couples counselling. I had, um, I had suspected that the male counsellor had has was completely 
in not cahoots but he was certainly aligned maybe in a male way with my ex and I felt that he wasn't hearing my story and then that came back to the fact that I had to be a better wife so everything around me pointed to the fact that I was the problem it wasn't until I had left and then started to do more research into what I was actually dealing with because I really didn't have the idea at the time um, to determine that yes there was some problem it was me because we all have our own stuff but um, it was a lot more um, evil and a lot more um, um, detrimental than I had that I could even begin to imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really want to get into how things escalated in a moment. But what were kind of some of the behaviours that you found were really prevalent um, during this time? Any in particular? Uh, yeah. Well, for me, it it just seemed that, and in the end, I just stopped trying and it was that that self of that having that sense of independence like it's okay these are my interests those are your interests and and this is our common space it was like he had a certain amount of of jealousy and wanting to control what I did and he did not like me seeking any type of enjoyment Mm -hmm. outside of him he became Mm -hmm. really jealous and therefore then it became an issue you know, in, in the end, you know, what, what he was trying to control was almost, when I think about it now, ridiculous. Like, why, why would you tell your partner, you know, you're exercising too much when you're at the gym three evenings a week? Like, is really three evenings a week too much for exercise? But it wasn't something that he enjoyed doing. Yeah. Right? So, therefore, why do you get to do it and get enjoyment out of it? Cooking, I got a thermomix, you know, I like cooking and, and I would get good in the kitchen and doing well then I was being told, don't get me wrong, I like the food, but you're spending way too much time with the thermomix. Wow. And, and, and those, you know, and you think being in a relationship, you're like, okay, well, you know, issues come up, we need to talk about this and yeah, all right, but you know, when, 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 Stuff like that was coming up, you know. My head started spinning because I'm like, I don't understand. I can't compute this. Like, this is just really weird. Like, I've never heard of anybody else kind of bring up an issue like that in their relationship before. You know what? Oh, you're. I'm exercising too much, but but you enjoy my body. You you, you know what I mean? You know, and and I cook too much, but it's really good food. I just, and he was jealous of the relationship I had with the animals, and it, it just became, yes. It's almost like they create those issues just so that there's issues, and again, I think, well, as, we, as you were talking, what really came up for me was this idea that somewhere as things escalate and towards the end of these relationships, it's like there's this energetic change Mm. you know between your dynamic and Mm. it's again they can sense that and so any time in the relationship when you're navigating these issues um, and going through that cycle of abuse that you know they will it's almost like they just know what to do to almost get you attached to the drama again Mm. Mm. and to be occupied with putting out the flames so to speak putting out the fire of a certain issue Mm while they're lighting another one mm. to, to keep you hooked because if there's no drama there's nothing that they can feed off yes and you're not 
able to like you're not you know like yeah you're just not well, you're and playing you, in that you, dynamic yeah yeah exactly so you don't have an emotional response and then you know it's usually with them it doesn't matter what their emotional response is they just need an emotional response whether yeah. it's positive or negative so yeah. it doesn't really matter for them as long as they get that emotional response for yeah. you so and that's why you said like it didn't make sense because Oof. it's almost like they had nothing else to create a drama about exactly. so they made it you know so illogical yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm like going really you know like i'm not understanding i'm not a junkie i'm not a drunk like you would think that those would be yeah okay pretty big issues in a relationship i'm going i'm sitting here and you're telling me right now that i exercise too much and i spend too much time cooking yeah uh i'm sorry that's... And in hindsight, you know, being on the other side of all of that, I mean, it's so clear that that's mm. toxic and dysfunctional and yeah. it makes absolutely control. no sense. It's all about control. Yeah. But then when you're in it, like, it's just a very different story. It's like you get caught yeah. up on those things. You do. You're trying to fix them. Exactly. You're trying to understand the other person. Like, you know, again, I guess that's where a lot of these codependent behaviors come through because that's what they want. They want you to be trying to fix it, trying yeah. to deal with it. And it's almost like they get enjoyment and pleasure out of watching you run circles around yourself yes. trying yes. to fix yes. these yes. things yes. that are not exactly. fixable because yeah. they're not even so an issue. Like, watch the puppet, watch the puppet. Yes. What I can make her do now. Ooh, yeah. She's on the string. Yeah, kick your leg, kick your leg. Oh, there you go. Yeah, true. You know, and yeah. you do because you're in the relationship and if you're more on a codependent side of the scale, you know, and that people pleaser, you do. You're always constantly putting yourself in and when you go really, really, really back after you go through this whole process, you know, start learning about yourself and, and yeah, how you either stuff emotions down or you have that people pleasing. So you're always putting yourself to the side rather than checking in with self first yeah. in the scenario before you, then it's, you're consumed. And in the end, you almost got nothing left. Like the gas tank is empty. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. And that's the, like I said, you can never reach that bar. They're never happy. Exactly. You know, you make it all about them, but there will still be a freak show at the end of the night, you know, their little drama event, you know, when the whole day, and it was usually with events or holidays or birthdays or weddings or something, you know, you have a great time, but you, you know, but no, the yeah. doors will close and then all of a sudden the freak show yeah. starts. And what's interesting, what you said there is when, when you're out of the relationship and you're on that journey of healing, which we'll go into a bit later, but... Mm you know putting together the pieces and understanding and unraveling that this wasn't just a one-off or it wasn't just what happened in this relationship there is a lot that we've grown up with that we've like behaviors we've taken on mm. things with beliefs that we believe about ourselves yeah. all of these things that actually make us the perfect dynamic for these type of relationships exactly. you know yeah. it's like the 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 wounded both of us in this you know in these relationships are wounded and we're playing them out mm. you know um but you know for, for us on the other side and being codependent that we you know there's a lot of hope for us there's a lot that we can do because we actually want to work on ourselves we yes. actually want to fix ourselves when we get to that point yes but it, it, you know, it, transitioning into kind of looking at the catalyst for what you both experienced, I think, mm. Carmen, it's interesting because your story is a classic example of you doing the right thing or so you think, but because it wasn't in 
the narcissist's um, control or his idea that he, um, like, they don't accept it. And so looking at how things escalated, your story is really classic. I'd love for you to share about what kind of triggered the, you know, the end of your relationship and your marriage. There was a couple of things that were catalysts, but the first catalyst came within six months of our 10th wedding anniversary and at that time I'm I mean I'm a, a big person to plan things and one of the things on his bucket list was a, a trip to India he always wanted to go and see the Taj Mahal mm. not on my bucket list uh, but that wasn't the issue I wanted to for our 10th anniversary wedding anniversary I wanted to share an experience with him it was something that he wanted to do and I wanted to go with him to experience that. Mm. It wasn't my choice. India wasn't necessarily on my bucket list. And this is probably the August of the year before the 10th wedding anniversary, which was the April of the following year. And I came across a deal and um, sat with it, then booked it and thought, well, you know, it's great. It was over Easter weekend. There was lots of positives. It was, it was just really easy, you know. Mm. I wasn't looking, there was no resistance to mm. it, as in it was easy to book, it mm. was a great price. Mm. I was working independently, so I took care of paying for it, etc. Mm. We happened to be, I probably had that booked for about a month before we were at dinner with uh, another couple of his friends. And his friend said at dinner, oh, you're only a couple of months off your 10th wedding anniversary, what are you going to do? And I said, I've got that in hand. I've got a little, I got a little something yeah. in the background. Yes. And that sent my nar into an absolute 360 rotors burning spin. Oh. So after that night, after that dinner, every day, he was consumed multiple times a day. What are you doing? What are you doing with my money? What are you, what have you got planned? How do you know I want to do something? What do you, how will I know if I like it if you don't tell me? And my uh. response was always, it's a surprise. It's yeah. something that we've talked about doing and the 10th wedding anniversary is pretty significant. Mm. So it was probably four to five weeks of him literally badgering me every single day, like multiple times a day, mm. when I actually lost her and turned around one day and, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, for fuck's sake, I'm taking you to India. This is your dream, you know? Yeah. And he, I remember that day he stood, he wasn't any taller than me, he stood directly in my face and I could actually take myself there right now and feel how I felt, like mm. he was literally spitting at me, oh. which was, who the fuck do you think you are to have booked that without my permission? And I yeah. think about that now and think, how did I even stand there and take that? Yeah. But at the time it was, well, I'm doing this for us, for you. I was paying for it. It wasn't an issue of family funds. You know, mm. I had independent income, but he didn't have control of it. And in fact, it, it, as soon as I had to declare my hand um, and tell him what we were doing for our anniversary, mm. Mm. it became, he made it, he, he found every excuse why we couldn't go. Mm. We couldn't afford it, which mm. wasn't true. Um, mm. We couldn't take the kids. We had never taken the kids on another anniversary. You know, they had separate um, independent other parents because we were a blended family right. um, in the end he made it so horrible an experience and it just tore me apart because it was what I wanted for him it mm. was my gift to him yes yeah. I cancelled it 
and then you know basically said to him you've just fucked it that's our 10th wedding anniversary yeah needless to say that happened within three months that was the start yes. of a very rapid decline wow um yeah. that was the first catalyst but it went down from there and yeah. that and truly if i look back at that and you know you talk about that with friends and family or other people mm. you know you want to give your spouse a holiday you can afford to do it mm. you've planned the time we had a business, so I was able to project to the future and go, mm. okay, well, I'll allow that time. Mm. And to have someone come back at you and accuse you of doing it for your own self-serving mm. purposes and using their money, not our money, mm. or or not even seeing it as, oh, my God, that is really wonderful that you want to take me somewhere where you don't even want to go, but mm. you want to go with me because it means that much to me. Mm. Yeah. And it broke my heart. Yeah. And that was the yeah. first of my heart being completely and utterly destroyed mm. by this person. Mm. And three months later, we separated. So that was, wow. the, that was, yeah, that was the catalyst. Yeah, wow. I have a similar... When you say that, that's just taken me straight back yeah. to... Because it's interesting, your story, Nicole, is very similar. Like yes. it was an anniversary as well. It was an anniversary sure. when, when I had the what I call my my crash and now awakening <laughs> night uh, but it, it started about two months before as well so there was a um, an overseas holiday it was his 50th uh, there was a big celebration you know again I was saying the whole day was about him that whole trip was was about him you know because <clears throat> I had asked that what you want to do yep uh, and then, and then I remember the evening of the fiftieth, and of course some alcohol was involved. But but uh, because I'm not a drinker, I, I I wasn't at that same level of intoxication. Uh, and then there was a big freak show on the evening, and that's when he got a bit physical with me, kind of for the first time, okay. which gave me a bit of a scare. But at the same time because these regular little dummy spit freak shows in the previous years had been related around celebrations, holidays, uh, events, yeah. this time I was totally expecting it. So when is it gonna come? Mm -hmm. And it just happened to be that night and I just went, oh, there it is. Yeah. So rather than me getting all caught up in it, like I normally would have and have been emotionally distraught the whole night. Meanwhile, he's passed out and snoring and often in the morning when he did that before and abused me, he wouldn't really have much recall in the morning and he'd still have a smirk on his face when I told him what he had done. Yes. Um, so this time it was really, really interesting because I knew. And uh, basically what he asked me in the morning was if I could just forget about it and that we would sort it all out when we had returned back from the holiday but now let's just enjoy the rest of the holiday because we still had another two weeks to go right can you just swallow that and, and push that mm. down but that was the first of the yeah uh, you got a bit physical with me and then it was two months from that holiday that we had the anniversary dinner now that day was very interesting as well so it had started in the morning and there was a bit of a family thing in the afternoon and I had organized the dinner and he said earlier in the week, you know, 
can you, can you get onto it? And I said, yeah, I can get onto that. And he said, oh, you know, and, you know, surprise me then, right? So he wanted it to be a surprise and not let him know. So I said, okay. So I did some research and I had booked it and we went off to the family event in the afternoon and he was doing this classic kind of, because uh, it was his kind of family, uh, that kind of belittlement in yes. front of everybody. Um, the bit of we're going out for dinner, but you know, where we're going, I'm not too sure, but it better be good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he started getting these threats, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and then when we got home and we were getting ready for the dinner, he kept on asking me, is this place good? Like he had a certain level or standard and that I wouldn't be able to through booking, a dinner, be able to meet that, and I had to keep on responding with, well, the last time I went there, it was good, yeah. you know? But it's but like I, he set you up for failure, basically. Yes, yes, and then we got to the dinner, so I already had anxiety going into the restaurant. Yeah. Is he going to like it? Is he not going to like it? You know, and then he's going to blame me because, oh, you can't book, book a re- fucking restaurant, you know, that whatever. It was a nice restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and then he asked me the question of, uh, where do you see yourself and us in five years' time? He said that? Yes. Well, that's an interesting anniversary question, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So I shared that that obviously wasn't in alignment with what, where he wanted me to be or what he had in his plans. And I was just absolutely kneecapped yeah. at the table. From because because your visions didn't align, or because he wasn't interested in accepting or working yes, it's on how actually. dare yours interests not align okay. with mine? Yeah, you know, I was saying I wanted to kind of pull back a little bit from work when I reached this age because yeah. you know we I thought we had these goals in place, yeah. you know, and that was moving out of the city. I wanted to live more sustainably, and I was saying, well, how are you going to learn how to do that? You don't just buy a property and then everything's, you know. And I wanted to start, and he was, it was basically, how dare you want to retire or pull back from work before me? No, you are going to be working because you are five years younger than me. You are going to be working at least as long as I am working. And pretty much I'm going to make the decisions. But of course, I managed all the finances. He didn't have much financial sense, right? I was building the financial portfolio to achieve this, right? right? And then, uh, yeah, it went on and... And I just remember sitting at the table and then he basically said, no, you're going to basically do as I say. And then I started questioning, well, how are we going to get there? What are the checks and balances? You know, if these are the targets and and I don't see why not, I can't have what I want. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. You've made your decision. You're going to do that. You're going to work till that. But why can't I do what I want? And then literally... The arguing kind of went around a little bit more, but I just cracked. I literally felt a physical snap wow. happen. And they kind of describe it when, when I've gone back and done research and, and through therapy and all of that because I am the people pleaser. And then I learned about how I just stuff all the emotions down. Yeah. But you get to a certain point where you can't stuff one more thing down. 
and you crack mm. and that's when I cracked and that's mm. when basically I describe it as falling on my face but literally that's when the anxiety kicked in and I was locked in anxiety for eight months wow. after that but it was from that night it took three months to to plan and work out what it is that was going on because I had never even heard of the term cluster B personality or narcissism or anything like that. All I knew is I was confused. I had a whole bunch of stuff going on in my head. I had anxiety that I couldn't get under control yeah. and I really did not like feeling that way and I just started embarking on are these common problems and issues in relationships which then led me on the pathway mm -hmm. that I am at now. And I want to take it back a step because you mentioned something really interesting. Or, or, you know, it reminds me of this concept of, uh, you know, frog in boiling water or, yes. you know, this concept that really it's a slow boil. Yes. Do you want to kind of talk Very, a bit about that, Nicole? Yeah, well, that, that's, that's all in that trauma bonding. So initially, yeah, back in the early days of the relationship, you know, odd things would happen every now and again and you'd kind of you know, go, oh, that was a bit weird. But it wasn't enough to get... But it wasn't enough, it was really or, or it would get kind of smoothed over, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, if you did bring it up, and... and yeah. But, yeah. And what I wanted to say was the analogy comes from this idea, I don't know exactly the details, but it's like, if you put a frog in water, yes. then... It's not going to jump out if it's a normal temperature, but yes. and then you can like cook it as it's a slow boil, yes. right? It's a gradual thing, and rather than just throwing it in hot water where it'll kind of jump out immediately, exactly. Yes, so you, yeah, yeah, that's how that trauma bond forms yeah. in the relationship, right? Because if the relationship was what it was at the end, at right the at the very beginning. That's dropping no, a frog no in, in the boiling water immediately. Right. Of course, no one's going to hang around for that. And that's what's so important to understand, I think, for people listening that, you know, there's a lot of blame and shaming and, like, feeling guilty about the fact that we experience these type of relationships and this type of abuse. But what's really important to understand is that it never starts mm. with how it ends. You know, yes. it, that level of escalation is, isn't there. And it's mm. one, and, and cause we blame ourselves so, so much by the end of like, how, why are we in this? How did I stay for so long? You mm. know, all of those things that you may be thinking, well, you've got to remember that it didn't start like that. No. And no very, and, and most likely it started very much the opposite to that. You know, yes. all of the love bombing, all of the yes. attention, all the things that you ever wanted in a relationship. Yes. This is what this person masked and was able mm. to provide you for a certain time. Mm. But, you know, it's interesting looking at the end or, you know, looking back through a relationship mm. to see how something's escalated. That's, that, that's kind of that analogy and how it works. Yeah, it's almost like they study you yes. and they get to understand and then, and then, yeah, they start kind of adapting themselves to really please you and, and and put on a persona or whatever mask it is that they think you want to see yeah. from them but of course it takes a lot of energy. effort yeah and it's energy. not sustainable it's not sustainable because that's really not who they are who they are i describe mine as the knight in shining armor because he was yeah. always a step ahead of me he seemed to always be able to pick my next need so he would he was he was very good in the beginning um, of, of our relationship in just being 
really proactive of, of moods and things for me. So he was flowers, he was, mm. you know, money at mm. the day spa, you know, you're looking yep. stressed, go have a massage, mm-hmm. let me take the kids out, you need some time on your own, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it's, it really feeds into this idea that if it was too good to be true, it is, because yeah. he, at the end, he was everything that is the Antichrist of that, <laughs> like literally the Antichrist. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, the things like Nicole was saying, there'd be little things. He had a very OCD personality. Yeah. And that was the only thing I actually... I didn't know what a narcissist was Mm. other than the traditional form of, you know, someone who looks in the mirror and and, and is vain, but not in the sense that we're talking about today. So his OCD was, was prevalent in the beginning, but in bits and pieces. And I learned, much like walking on eggshells, Mm you just massage the situation. Mm. I knew that if he was coming home from work and if the if there was a spoon in the sink from my cup of tea that mm. wasn't in the dishwasher, that'd be enough to start World War Three because it was out of place. So mm. you, I started to then be the step ahead. Yes. I could hear him, you know, he'd be coming home, he would ring to say, is dinner, you know, ready, whatever. It was, okay, children out of the way or clean up or whatever mm. so that when he walks in, we're the perfect little... You know, yeah, family. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but the thing about that is, everyone thinks it was a perfect little family, mm. but it's very rarely perfect. Mm. Obviously, yeah. 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 So looking at that, you know, that process and strategy for leaving Nicole. I know mm. you mentioned like from that crash and that night, the anniversary. Mm you really spent three months of really getting things in order and Mm. trying to quickly figure out what you were experiencing and the minute you really knew what it was, you made a plan. Mm. Can you walk us through a little bit what that looked like? Yeah, so so because I was just feeling so confused and and really did not like what was happening in my head and now I learn it, that is the trauma bonding. and, and, and I'm quite an educated person and, and I always thought I have a, a, a high level of control over myself uh, and, and was kind of like, well, what, what I need to understand what is going on because I don't want to feel like this anymore. So I started doing some research, research. online and came across, you know, common relationship problems, started answering some questionnaires and then right. got on to is potentially you might be with a narcissist. Mm. And I went, hmm, narcissist? What's that? Oh, kinda of sounds nasty, but you know, I had no <laughs> idea because you know, even though I'm educated in my fields I never really had a lot of um, interest or um, interaction with people in psychology. Right. Yeah. Right. So then I got on to reading about that and just started going, oh my gosh. And I even remember my therapist as part of trauma recovery because she could see how much I was traumatized was the whole journaling exercise. Yeah. Right to get it out and try and stay present, right, yes. and not getting all caught up and emotionally dysregulated, which is what I was, and I I I still remember the entry in my journal, which was, oh my God, do I live with a narcissist? Wow. Right, and then it just started, and I couldn't 
stop myself from trying to get in as much information I could about it and that's when I kind of worked out I was dealing with a covert uh somatic not somatic but cerebral right narc yeah right and and had come across some things where basically you got to get out but you got to be very careful the way you do it you got to do that very slowly so we're saying you need to run you need to get out of what it is that you're in but you got to be careful the way you do it so when you were reading all of this did you did you just because of the things that you were reading online, did you go, okay, I need to leave? Were you going to leave anyway? But having, knowing that, you know, there was this guidance and information available to you that said, you know, make a plan, be strategic, be quiet, whatever. Like, was that always, it just gave you permission to kind of go and do it? Do you feel that was? Yeah. So initially I think the first four weeks after the crash, it was no kind of getting my head around understanding and then I started doing little tests because I was still in yes. denial yes yes about it yeah. is he really no I spent almost 12 do, months like that doing a little like three test months. and then going yeah. oh my gosh he is and then the level of knowledge that I had about it going it's very hard for them to change yes and they have to so basically if I don't want this crap anymore I've got to get out how I'm gonna get out I didn't actually have but it did come together for me I think the universe just listened and presented opportunities and Mm -hmm. I just took it but the amount of strength that I had to dig down deep because I was so beaten down I was so trauma bonded I was so emotionally dysregulated that it almost felt like I was gonna die yeah I felt like yeah I was facing death to tell him I'm out of here but I had already had the the exit plan Mm -hmm. already you know cooking in in the background but it, it and when I still look back at it today and and just just that level of of fear that I had and what I had to pull on but I went about it in a way that um, because they often will, they, they don't wear things, so it's your fault, something's wrong with you if you're not appeasing them or giving them their emotional feeding that they need and things like that. I turned that around and went, all right, I will wear that defective label if that's gonna make this exit a little bit easier. I'm gonna completely blame it on myself. Yeah. I'm not going to blame you for anything. I'm going to wear I'm a defect so I can slide out of here without it being a huge drama or going to something, you know, that we all fear sometimes and that's, you know, a certain level of physical abuse or whatever, right? Mm. So that's what I did. I wore the label. I'm defective. I need space. And he was okay with that? Like he was... Yes, to a certain level, yeah, because uh, he had a bit of a, a, a medical background. So I really kind of played on the, um, you, you know, how sick someone could get. I'm going to end up in hospital if I don't get on top of this anxiety. I've really got to deal with my issues. I've identified, you know, I'm dealing with 
complex PTSD, which is all in the childhood stuff. I really need time and space to, to, to go back there and do the work that I need to do on myself before I can even consider doing the relationship. Because yeah. I said, I just don't have the energy to look at myself and then also do relationships. So, you know, this is what I need to do. So basically when I left, he was still under the impression that we were still together in the relationship yeah. when I left. So it wasn't, it, four months after I was out was when I officially ended the relationship. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I know in that time you actually joined the support group that I run here in yeah. Perth. You joined that yeah, was it about a month before you moved out? Two weeks. Two, two weeks, yeah, right. So yeah, mid, so mid-October and I was out at the beginning of November. Right. Yeah. So, it, you know, you came just at the right time. And, and basically I had told him. All right, we're back. Sorry about that. We had a bit of a technical glitch there. Um, but, Nicole, you were just sharing how you found the meetup group how i found the meetup group yeah so as you know i'm trying to madly binge feed on everything i can and the resources available online to understand what it was that was going on and why i was feeling the way i was and uh, i came across the group which uh i was still in i hadn't i was planning the exit uh, but i was still there in, in the house and um, knew that I was kind of going along the lines of wearing that defective label. Yep, you know, and, and you know, I had the anxiety and I think it's complex PTSD and uh, had said I've joined a support group to kind of reinforce, but the support group was your support group. Yeah. <laughs> But what I had told him was that it was a support group for PT, PT, D, P, post-traumatic <laughs> stress yes. disorder or response. Yeah. Uh, and basically the only thing he was interested in when I came home from that, because he was happy for me to kind of, well, I don't know about happy, but he was accepting me wearing the label that there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Nothing wrong with me. There's something wrong with yes. you. Yeah. Because I can't wear anything and I'm the Teflon man and no shit sticks to me. That's right. Um, <laughs> so they say. So they say. Uh, and the only thing that he was interested in when I got back from the first uh, support group that I went to and, and met the ladies there was, uh, was there any guys there? Really? <laughs> yeah, that was the wow. only question he asked me. Wow. Was there any guys because it was PT? Yes. Yeah. And so, so there wasn't much of a conversation about it, except no. you would have said, obviously, there weren't any yes. men, which there weren't. Yes. But, yeah. Yes, I said, no, it was just, it's, it's, it's a women's group. Right. And no, no further questions? No further questions. No. Okay. No. No. And I think what's really important that I want to add here is that, um, you know, getting as much support before you choose to, like, before you make that move of leaving is really important, whether that's therapy, support group, you mm. know, are there any other resources available in your country or state or city? Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's really important to also, you know, you know your abuser or your, you know, your partner the best and you can, you know, take that judge, be that judge of character and be aware of, you know, 
what are any sudden actions or movements that you take? What what kind of implications are they going to have? Mm. And and um, yeah, be aware of of the risks and have you know make safety your priority mm. at all times because mm. I think you know we all have different stories mm. because you know our our experiences have all been somewhat different. Um, while you know obviously very similar, but in terms of mitigating the risks and knowing how to leave safely yes. is um is very important and obviously mm-hmm. i think you know nicole your story is a cl- like a really great example of you know how to navigate that whole process mm. safely effectively mm. you know with minimal disruption and chaos and emotional distress not only for yourself but also the person that you're leaving yes. you know because that only makes your PTSD and like you know your your struggles even more mm. unbearable and difficult to deal with. Yeah, and 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 really when I left, I, I the the relationship was not finalized as over. Yeah, right. So it was just I know I need to get out of this space so I can start making sense of what it is that's going on and 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 why I feel the way I do, why am I so emotionally dysregulated, uh, why do I feel like my head is spinning on my shoulders and I'm spewing vomit like the exorcist, yeah. why it is that I can't work out up from down and, and left from right. From right. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until four months after I was out that I was able to finally end the relationship and then start proceeding on with the next steps of what that meant but it really did take four months and you do have to create space for yourself safe space yeah that you can start then being able to process what the fuck just happened there you know or the last 16 years of my life you know but then also okay you get out of the denial then you're kind of in victim mode and understanding well for me it was yeah what is narcissism and all of that and then it was the realization well i participated in that and now i've got to accept my part in that and how i didn't want that to happen because when i look at previous relationships the same patterns are there yes you know in the history and that's so, painful. That is. So it's like, okay, I think this is the last time and I need to wake up from this mm. and make a change. And the only thing that I can do and have control of is myself. Yeah. So let's start having a good look at self. Yes. Because I want to change so that I'm never back that's in fine. this scenario and it's again. So, it's so important because... There's not really any other alternative, you know. It's so rewarding when we do the work and part of today's conversation was really about, you know, looking at the reality of people's experiences mm. and, you know, being clear that this isn't an easy path, but, you know, I think we get to a point where there's not really any other options. Mm. It's it's a pattern and a theme that's continued in our life and it's like we can continue to run away from it mm. or we can finally, like take it head on yes start to go on that journey of processing and 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 unraveling i guess a lifetime of trauma and yes. you know a variety <coughs> of conditioning a variety of different things that 
you know, being on the other side of it and being out for a period of time helps you to look back and go, wow, that was, mm. you know, one of the best things that I've ever done. The yes. hardest. The hardest yeah, the thing hardest, to do is to make that decision to yes. move but, and then doing it. But, mm. you know, I think our stories are such, you know, that they're a guiding light to other people. Mm. There's so much hope. There's so much joy, like so much positivity that comes out of this when we when we get to that point when we've been through that those hard times yes but i think that you know that's one of the biggest things that i find working with women and running the group is that the those that are really dedicated that want to work on themselves that really you know have made a commitment to themselves Mm. that this ends right now and this ends with me that they're the ones that really thrive and are doing well and have made such a terrible experience mean something Mm. and actually been the catalyst for their own growth right Mm. Mm. Um, and that's something obviously I'm so passionate about in helping people to feel comfortable with going on that journey Mm. you know seeing what that journey looks like Mm. kind of helping them not feel so in the dark Mm. about every process and every stage that they're at Mm. I think that's so important but you know this idea that once we leave that's when the fight really begins you know Mm. like we think we've experienced years of this abuse and like well now it's finally over i think that's a really big wake-up call for many of us like that's actually when things really hit home of what you've experienced and that's when the fight really starts that's when the work really starts and i think that is probably why, you know, myself included, went back so many times because it felt so lonely. It felt so difficult. It felt so, you know, being addicted and not understanding what I was experiencing, being mm. trauma bonded, all of those mm. things. Like mm. th- that not understanding the reality of what life looks like, you know, when you leave, mm. that, that's really scary. And that, that's kind of why we, mm. why we initially kind of go back. Mm. And so, you know, helping people to have this clarity is is so valuable, I think. Did you have the going back Yes, I did. Um, uh, Nicole described her narc as a um, covert um, cerebral, cerebral, whereas I think, and not that mine was ever diagnosed and never will be because you can't get them to to see anybody, Uh, but all indicators would be that he was malignant, which is a really bad end of the scale to be in. Um, my situation is a little bit different to um, Nicole in that I was, uh, we were in a blended family. Uh, my two uh, children had relocated interstate to go to university. So I was uh, left in the marriage with um, stepchildren and the malignant narc. Uh, I didn't plan my exit so much as it was planned for me, as in after the India trip. Uh, was cancelled, his mask dropped completely with his attitude towards that. So the next three months were probably the three of the most hellish months I've ever experienced in my life because he didn't feel the need to be any different. He was just, he was full on just nasty. It was how it was. Um, That culminated in a really um, ugly argument where he basically said, you can't be the wife. I want because he I was obviously rejecting his control and he um, threw me out of the house um, I left gladly uh, but I left saying that I was going to find myself mm-hmm. and find some time to take some space because obviously I was in stage four um, uh, adrenal fatigue oh. I was so ill 
mm-hmm. at the time um, and he had little empathy for that so I kind of just drew on the fact that my kids had relocated interstate and I just said look I'm going for a month I need to go see my kids I'm going to go for a month I've taken a month at an you know, apartment whatever mm-hmm. uh, what that ended that bought me time that bought me some reprieve from his aggression because the aggression was on the increase and I had to get out anyway because he would have harmed me um, it was getting worse. He, there was lots of push and shove. There were lots of, kind of, you know, um, leaving marks on your arms from the from the aggressive hold and things, but nothing more than that. But even that was increasing. Mm. And on the day that I did in fact leave, he did try to to punch me. And I knew at the time that if I hadn't walked then, I there would have been something that would have happened that mm. may not see me here today. Who mm. knows. So I went with the, I'm going away for a month. And, uh, and then that month, uh, in that month I gained the strength. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to go back, unlike the other three times I had left in the previous year. So I do know the going back is a real thing. Yeah. But I relocated interstate, which made it easier because I couldn't, I wasn't around the corner. I had no contact with him. Mm. I kind of went, well, that's it. I'm, I'm not going back. Mm. He didn't know I wasn't going back. So he was still trying to contact me, still trying to love bomb me, still trying uh, to pursue me. Yeah. So um, I, I, th- I think it was four or five weeks later that was the, you know, I am not going to come back. This is, this is the end. And then that was, that was the other hellish, beginning of the hellish time because he went into the mode of, you know, search, kill, destroy all my friends, all my oh. family. You know, anyone who knew me would hear his side of the story. And it was embellished only to to his gain. I was this horrible person. Mm. And, and if I had stayed in the town where I was, I don't know that I could have lived there because his campaign of smear rage campaign. and smear was just so efficient because mm. he could sell us the Eskimos. He was a charmer, and not, and he was a charmer to me, which is how he got me in the beginning. Mm. However, on the demise of our marriage, that charm became what he used against me with mutual friends, family, neighbours, mm-hmm. etc. Mm. So that that sort of immediate post leaving the relationship, having moved into state, was great reprieve. I didn't have to see him, mm. deal with him, but then it cut my social circle. So anyone I had contact with had now been, there's very few people that have remained mm. un, um, unsmeared, you know, or unaffected mm. by it. So I've had to start again. So I've started again interstate, I've started again with new people, I've mm. started again with, with uh, you know, new job, um, all, all in the process of getting myself as far away from that type of personality Mm. but also knowing that this is the second time I'd allowed myself to fall into a relationship like this Mm. and like Nicole was saying the biggest thing now is what is it in me that that why did not why did I not stop the behavior why did Mm. I not say you can't talk to me like that or Mm. don't push me Mm. or whatever I didn't I, I was so worn why down why did you attract that yeah. personality why did I think that was okay yeah and I, it's certainly not okay I think many of us I think initially we we you know have the boundaries we you know to an extent we have the expectations or we kind of set the standard so to speak but it's like very short-lived we may say things a couple of times mm. but if we don't follow through mm. 
um, then those you know boundaries fall, um, our standards fall, and you know I think for many of us, if we actually had upheld that and been strong enough to do that, and been conscious of and mindful of doing that as well, mm. I think for many of us the relationships wouldn't have lasted beyond three to six months. Yes, you know yes. if we yes. really look at it. Yes. But it's this you know codependent lack of boundaries, yep. lack people of follow pleasing. through, yes, people yeah. pleasing, yes, you know, all of those things that make us, you know, well, I guess make the relationship sustainable mm. for some period of time, you know, yeah. yeah, but by the end, for sure, we are not, we're not, we're not standing up for ourselves, we're not assertive, we're not doing any of That's these right. things because yeah. we are so beaten down and we are, you know, a shell of a person that we used to be. Mm. I think, you know, we've talked um, a little bit today about the denial process, yes. you know, going backwards and forwards, um, you know, the doubt, you know, even the grief and the confusion of what we've actually experienced. Mm -hmm. I think that takes so much time to just even process that. So I think our process of leaving actually starts long before we end up making the final decision and are able to leave for that final time. Yes. If we've tried before, I think there's a lot internally that's happening. And I think a part of that is then where that emotional energy, that energetic change happens mm. because there's a level of you already processing, you're already on that journey of leaving mm. that they don't know about and you don't even know about yet, but you're on that journey and that's when things start to change. And I think that's why many of us experience these really confusing, you know, challenging, confrontational experiences in our relationships because it's like they're trying to hold on like we said at the mm, beginning they're yes. trying to hold on and you know have these nonsensical conversations create drama where there really isn't any where we're running in circles trying to chase our tail trying to fix the problems mm. that they've created mm. um you know i think even in the the communication and trying to resolve things even towards the end of the relationship you know this this idea of word salad is is very interesting mm. and you know it's like they bring up all these issues mm. but then you just go round and round in circles and the talk merry go around, around. That's right. yeah. you, you never, never get nothing. off the merry go round and after half an hour you just are right at back the same point again that started off the conversation and nothing's resolved and nothing's resolved, resolved. resolved. you're more and confused and that's another hour of your life you'll never get back yeah exactly <laughs> and then it's like word salad <laughs> And you're like, well, what, what was that half an hour of, yeah. of, of what, what Chipper was that? Yeah. And I think the big thing is that the, and this is why I say, if you can kind of have an outsider's perspective on your own life, the more that you have these experiences and the mm. more you recognize the patterns and the behaviors and the more that you can label them, the more that you can start to get some clarity about what you're actually experiencing. I think it's so important, oh, yes. you know, um, breaking the addiction as well, mm. you know, like that physiological hormonal addiction to these people, like it, it takes so much strength and conscious awareness. And I guess having moved through that denial phase as well of, mm. you know, I remember, you know, I, roughly six to 12 months of day in, day out or over the weeks, depending on what part of the cycle I was in. Again, not really understanding that back then, but yeah. going through these checklists and questionnaires and things that I found online as well yes. to go, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. Like, again, I, I'd always loved psychology. I'd love teaching. You know, that was my background, but I'd never, I'd never been exposed to this world of personality disorders mm. and trauma and, mm. and how these people basically become like that. Like I didn't have any 
insight or experience into mm. that either. So, you know, I think many of us, we go down this rabbit hole and we, we learn more about people and psychology and personality disorders than, you know, many psychologists who have never been through this themselves. You know, yes. we learn how to become yes. a better judge of character mm. and, um, and, and, and learn that, unfortunately, there are people out there that don't have our best interests at heart. You know, we're good people. Yes. We come from the perspective that, well, I'm a good person, so, you know, what other be. people are too. Mm. You, don't, you don't look at people like that. I think there's a mm. part of you that changes and becomes more realistic with the fact that there are predators and but like yeah, in your radar it becomes fine-tuned right that's and right that's straight into this, what you were saying about doing the online questionnaires i used to do those too because i needed to understand yes. what because i had no experience and no exposure to it i would i would do these online questionnaires you know you know could your partner be this and that yeah. and the other yeah and the and i was at answering them honestly and the results were off the scale there was no way that i was in a normal relationship functioning relationship yeah. this person isn't normal and functioning oh. but i was in such denial about what i was dealing with yes. that i'd look at those results which were literally if you've got this result you are in this relationship you need to leave yes. this is bad yeah. and i'd be going oh but it's not always like that uh-huh. yeah. he had a really he really yeah. had a hard day and if he knew I was doing this, he'd probably get really angry at me. Yes. And so the cycle perpetuates. Yes. You know, yeah. trying to give... I'm a nice person. That's why I'm an empath. That's why I attracted mm. him. Um, but I wanted to still keep giving him the benefit of the doubt. Mm. So even though everything that I read, saw, read, read um, you know, like sniffed up in terms of information about narcissism mm. was completely clear that there was a real problem with him, you know, on the scale. I kept making excuses and those excuses kept back coming back to either he was too stressed or he was overworked or I still was the problem. Yeah. So mm. I still, even with, with all of that in front of me, was still taking the blame for it. And I think the other problem that we have is that when we're like researching, we can come across videos or articles or whatever that talk about how to fix relationships Mm. like how to take responsibility for your part in the relationship and it's like you know I don't want to say that that advice isn't applicable you know I think there's definitely relationships out there where people can work on things oh yes but but they'd have to be people who were not affected by a disorder like exactly this. and that's what a lot of these people who give relationship advice or in that field don't understand if they don't have exposure to mm. or help people to recognize well first of all let's work out are you in a toxic dysfunctional relationship mm. has this person possibly got a personality disorder or mm. something else mm. like we need to really take that off the table and be sure of that before we can then take on that type of advice. So I think many of us can fall in that trap of actually going down the, well, yes, there are things you can do and you can fix a relationship and too many people just give up on the relationship. I I remember coming across a lot of stuff like that and I thought, okay, well, I'll keep trying then. Yes. You know, and I think, you know, many of us do that to the point till we get so sick. Mm. that we realise, okay, well, I've given everything that I can and it's yeah. still not working. Still like, when, well, like the, the, the clearly must be something else going on. Can I also say, though, that part of this relationship and part of being affected by someone who's afflicted by this, this you know, um, BPD, MPD, all those sorts of things, is you lose your gut instinct. 
because mm. you are so beaten down. Yes. So whereas now, 18 months out or whatever, yeah. I've got a really keen, that's it's coming back. So mm. you look at things and you think, if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't, just mm. doesn't feel right, go with your gut instinct. Mm. Get so that you're icky in, feeling. So you get in, you're in this relationship, you know it's wrong, you know it's dysfunctional, you know that people around you don't have relationships like that. Like you don't, you don't tend to see... We didn't have a group of friends that were like that. We had people that around us that had pretty normal relationships. I knew I wasn't like everybody else. I knew our relationship wasn't like everybody else. And when that that fear and that gut instinct tried to rise, and you mm. could feel it, it was mm. it was kind of like just sitting there going, "This isn't right." Mm. I'd be pushing it back down. It's okay. Yeah. I know how to keep him happy. Mm. I'll make sure the house is clean and mm. da da da. And as long as I, you know, did things in the bedroom that he liked generally. I could keep him happy for a while mm -hmm. until the cycle started again. Yeah. So the gut instinct and your intuition is something that is so important because if if mine had been stronger, if I didn't keep trying to put it down, mm. it may have saved me years of, of, of going through this. But obviously it, I went through it for a reason. Yeah. And I think this is, you know, it's a massive problem I think out there where... Yes, we're learning more about narcissism and personality disorders and the information is readily available, but I think generally it's still not really accepted that people have personality disorders, that NPD as the personality disorder and as a pathological illness or whatever mm. like that mm. that is real um like that is still i think something that needs to be talked about more and and i think by us sharing these stories shows that this is really real like it's mm. not it's not a one to five percent or whatever the statistics are out there you mm. know i think it's much more prevalent than that yes. to varying degrees yes. um yes. you know as as these it's not like you can just box people no, and say spectrum. it's a spectrum it's there's varying degrees and yes different behaviours are going to play out with different people mm. based on their personality, based on their upbringing, based mm. on their experiences, based, you know, their trauma, like, and then also the dynamic between the two people in the relationship, mm. you know, the codependent and the, the person with the disorder. Mm. So it, it can be really confusing and difficult to actually figure out, is this what you're experiencing? Mm. But you know, I think there are a lot of behaviours and, and um, you know, resources available online um, that will help you to basically determine that. Yes, and I think, yeah, ex exactly that. Once I started consuming the knowledge, the empowerment started coming because then I was able to get gain an understanding and then start connecting the dots rather than just being confused and why does he behave that way and then trying to alter my behavior so he wouldn't behave that way uh and then putting it together and then going okay i understand where you where you're you're at what you're capable of what you're not capable of well why we're doing this kind of dysfunctional dance mm. together mm. Uh, but yeah, what can I do and what do I need to do to address self? Because I'm not interested in repeating the cycle. So it's about standing up and saying enough is enough and it stops here and it stops now and I'm not going to perpetuate this any further yep. in my life. That's right. And I think, you know, we've talked about the first six months of, of navigating the trauma, getting support, you know, moving from survival mode into really, you know, navigating your own stuff. Mm. starting to unravel 
and deal with things that have been much more long-term, that have been playing out for a very long time, Mm -hmm. we start to kind of move from that into taking back our power, Mm -hmm. you know, which is something we've talked about as well. Mm -hmm. And and accepting and really taking responsibility for our part in Mm -hmm. the relationship and what played out. And, you know, I know so many people who, through the support group, who may have come once or twice, shared a bit about themselves and what they've been through and 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 tried to get that support but then just didn't come back it's like they weren't ready to take on that response like you know the responsibility of what you know and and really understand how they played into it i know that everyone's got their own journey and it's such a process to get to that point Mm. but i think emphasizing that and Mm. and being really clear about that now is really Mm. important to Mm. help people see like try and focus on and and work on the things that you know that you've had problems with yes. and yes. owning yeah. your shit they can't and they won't they won't ever take responsibility mm. and the only hope to get through this is realizing that you know take our part of it and take it on board and mm. learn from it mm. yeah so you know i think a lot of it is also then learning how to have boundaries, self-respect, like we've talked about, that intuitive gut feeling, like that I think is always there, like we've talked about, we suppress it, we don't want to deal with it, we don't really want to look at it because we're in denial, we're not ready to process it, but when we're ready like, and we start to just allow ourselves to be present with it, you know, with our emotions, with our intuitive feelings when things come up, that is when, you know, life starts to become a little bit more normal but it's in the day-to-day experiences with ourselves and other people around us that we start to actually we're in the game of actually that's when we're learning how to how to be different how to unravel stop that old programming Mm -hmm. and learn how to actually really deal with it Mm -hmm. you know like i think Mm -hmm. people think well they leave the relationship maybe they're in a new one maybe things are okay they're not you know Mm -hmm. you, you recognize it's not dysfunctional but but if you're still having issues with certain people or certain themes keep coming up, mm. then, you know, those are the opportunities for you to work on. And yeah. I think the more personal mindset that you have, or personal development mindset that you have, the more that you can actually start to pick up on all the things, all the areas mm. of your life mm. where you're being a certain way and maybe that's not actually benefiting you maybe that's Mm. not you're not being the best version of yourself Mm -hmm. because you're playing into those Mm -hmm. old behaviors Mm -hmm. and and victim mindset or whatever it is so um you know how have you found that now nicole because i know your life looks very different yes life is very different now and and it was well i call it quite a transformation really that needed to happen and i'm still very hyper vigilant about it now because i am in a new relationship and obviously getting in a new relationship you're going to have things that come up for you either triggering from the previous relationship or it's really got its roots way back in the childhood Mm. part uh, and where your conditioning when your ego was forming when you were a child and whether you had the appropriate emotional support and environment to grow up in and what your trauma response was as a child to survive because that's all you are as a child and so learning about all of that but yeah it's an ongoing issue and you you know 
people with personality disorders, it's not like they're born and saying, hey, I want to have a personality disorder. Yeah. I deal with things now and I, I've just accepted it. I, I deal with complex PTSD. You know, that, that is a thing for me. But now that I understand it, did I ask for it? No. Do I think it's absolute? Was it fair? I was just a child and that's the result of the childhood conditioning in the environment that I was in and basically accepting dysfunction as normal yeah. when it's not. Yeah. But no, but I do have to live with it and I want to have the best life I possibly can. So it's, it's just, well, what do I got to do with dealing with it? And it actually, the effects and the emotional responses and moving through that and healing and transforming and then exercising and creating new behaviors uh, starts to become easier. But it's a whole retraining and it does initially feel absolutely foreign yes, to do. Absolutely. It's strange and weird, uh, but once you start practicing it more and more, then it, it's just becomes a little bit more routine in checking in with self first before anything else, you know, checking in, well, how do I feel about that and where you would previously respond yes to something when you really meant no, no, now you're able to just stand there and say no, no. and not feel that you have to explain or backpedal or you, you, you know what I mean? And, and just being comfortable there yeah. now. And but, I I am very, very conscious about not falling back into previous behavior now that I am in a new relationship, but it's something that I'm openly discussing. And you're consciously, and you're consciously working on it. Yes. You know, it's not about being perfect. You know, we all oh, are human, yes. but it's about the, the, what you do on a day to day basis and mm. being conscious of that. And, mm. you know, you're, you know, you're lucky in a way that you're in a partnership now where the other person has been through their own journey and, you know, having similar values and mindset on growth as individuals and working as a team in the yes. relationship, like, you know, that's really important to me. And I know that mm. is something obviously that's really important to you. And I think when we get to that point, I think that's what we really look for mm. because like, we can't unknow any of this stuff. We can't, turn back time this yeah. is what we've been through mm. and I think having that relationship where you can both work on your stuff and it, like that's you know that that's what we're looking for that's what's mm. acceptable like that mm. well that's that's what's going to give us a thriving relationship mm. you know mm. so Carmen how has life looked now I think you know all of us have been out more than 12 months and you know something that we've worked on together all of us has been you know really looking at what do we want to create for our future and understanding our needs and desires like all of that like how is that has that that's been quite foreign to you hasn't it it has been i mean with me re um, relocating from interstate the first thing for me was to repair my relationship with my children um, because they were deeply affected by the relationship the dysfunction in the family um, so that was my first priority then my second priority was to be able to to know who I was. I was so used to being a person who answered and was obviously bossed around or, you know, I had I had my mask on to a certain extent too. So it was finding me and mm. the you know, passion and purpose. People were saying to me, You've got to find your passion, you've got to find your purpose mm. you know, and then I discovered that I had things I'd had um have hobbies and stuff that I'd put on the back burner during the marriage because 
uh, in my ex didn't like to participate. He would mm. prefer to drink rather than to participate in a group activity, etc. So, so started the exploration of what makes me happy. You know, where does it go from there? Like, where you know, what 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 does that look like? Mm. Um, that's also been a bit confronting because uh, after having you know relocated into state and starting again, um, the the incredible amount of fear, um, a fear of the fact that. Uh, you don't believe in yourself. Well, mm. I certainly, True. I didn't believe in myself. I felt, I felt really like, oh my God, I've just come through this and this was all my fault or mainly my fault. Yeah. And now I'm at this age and I'm starting again and oh my God, mm. like how do I do yeah. this? And it's been a really, it's been really tough to navigate. I, I must say though that I had, um, I, I'm in, um, in therapy with a lady that, that specialises in uh, narc abuse, and it's it's been really enlightening. Only well, only because I think, and the group, of course, because you're not on your own. I mean, yeah. for so long, this whole thirteen year journey has felt like I have been walking it on my own. Mm. And to mm. meet the ladies in the meetup group, and then to go to a therapist who specialises in it, and you just realise that yeah, there's so much more around you, and mm. everyone's got a story. I mean, we're yeah. all similar but different in yes. our stories yes. but it's about rebuilding and once I got past the grief and the sadness and the shock and all those things that you go through the when the time's right for you to look at redesigning your life it's really fantastic to think that you can see past what you've been through so I've had a, I had a really difficult first six months because it was a very big change I had a very big um, and social life where I lived before mm. and so I had to I, I felt very bitter at my life having to start again mm. because I walked away mm. and his life didn't change and that I found that really difficult um, for me to have to, you know, why did I have to walk away because mm. he pushed me away, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. However, in all of that, past the bitterness, past the resentment, past the grief, etc., I now have this amazing opportunity to basically design my life. I'm still young enough to be able to, and I won't mention my age, but I'm still young enough, like I feel, I feel 10 years younger than my actual age because I don't have that enormous weight on my shoulders mm, of expectation from a partner who I just could not please no matter how hard I tried. <laughs> and, and that has also, I mean, on the anniversary of the first, uh, the first year, anniversary from the separation I went out and got a tattoo which is something I wanted to do for years and never really had the courage but I did it because I could yeah. and with that I also did a, um, a, a boudoir photography shoot just it was really confronting because it had to be there was so many body issues associated with with my ex in that he would always use that against me about you know knowing that I wasn't particularly happy with certain aspects of my body and to be able to look at that and go, well, you've now crossed two things off your list which were so outside your comfort zone, you would never have done, you know, a couple of years ago, whatever. And life's still going to have, you know, challenges and curveballs, but I think I've been through the worst of it. And, I, and, and, and to, be tr to be really truthful, I'm grateful for the experience because mm. the experiences, I've really had to mm. get to know part of me that mm. I didn't know before. Rich in gratitude. Yeah. 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 A sense of gratitude. Yeah. And it's, it's powerful. absolutely right. It's really powerful. Extremely powerful. 
Yeah. So with get gratitude rising from the shit to the palace. Yes. It's yeah. only with gratitude. Yeah. I've when, got when, this when you reach that. I've space. got this screensaver on my phone which is this like, phoenix rising from the ashes or something like that. And that's truly how I feel. I feel as though I, there's a part of me that was burnt beyond recognition. My mm. heart was torn into pieces. And then step by step, I've got back on my feet. I've got a job. I've, I've gone through those stepping stones that you have to do. You know, you've one foot in front of another just to keep going every day. Mm. And there was a time there that each day my sister would ring me in the morning just to check I'd got out of bed. Mm. You know, are you a functioning person today? Are you going to work? All those mm. things. Now I'm ringing her. What a great day. It's <laughs> a wonderful day. Like, today is amazing. And why wouldn't it be amazing? Because... Yeah. Finally, after this experience, you know, I, I see that I've got another chance. Mm. And if I enter another relationship, that person is going to be so blessed because I'm so in tune with myself and what I want and what I don't want. But I also have to be prepared that I'm not the person who's going to settle anymore either. Mm. So that could also be an issue. Mm. But And I'm working with that one as well. I don't think that whether I'm partnered or not partnered is going to be the biggest concern in my life at all. Yeah. It's, I think, you know, it's... Um, and we learn that, don't we? We go through this process no matter whether we're alone mm. or we're in a relationship. Like, I think it's that reconnection to ourselves mm. and finally saying, like, I'm with you no matter what mm. and I'll never leave you and I've got you back. Yes. And that no matter what so I go important. through now, like, you know, we're a team mm. as yeah. ourselves. Yes. Like, yeah. that is that is so important and... and you know, whatever happens out externally, like internally, we're getting things together. Mm. You know, we're going through that process. Mm. Mm. And um, I think that's really what this whole journey is about. Yeah. That reconnection to dealing with mm. the things that we've always struggled with, yeah. that we've just kind of avoided and resisted and externally continued to manifest as massive toxicity and drama and mm. chaos. Mm. You know, finally getting that all you know, internally resolved yes. will actually help us manifest that externally in our life as well. Yes, yes. And uh, when I had met the person that I'm in the new relationship with, um, he initially wanted to move a little bit faster than I was comfortable with because I had made a commitment to myself and, and that was I needed a year to myself to do what it is that I needed to do but often I would refer to what you were just speaking about Jasmine is I've still got a lot of cleaning up of the house to do and the house is all the inside of me so the house ain't clean yet so uh, it's tidy it's tidy but it ain't clean so uh, no we're not moving in together all right because yes all right, I need to address that because I knew if that wasn't if I wasn't where I had wanted to be and, and had done reading and, and da, da 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 then there was you know I would probably be falling back into things and places where I didn't want to go not to say that I attracted the same thing into my life but I, I just had this fear and this just adamant potentially even stubborn attitude of I never want to go back there again and I am prepared to do whatever it is how much ever it hurts mm. to do the work 
to make the change so that I'm never back there again. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. Take the bull by the horns <laughs> and go for it. Amazing. Oh, what an awesome conversation. <laughs> I feel like we've kind of like said everything we wanted to say. Was there anything else that either of you wanted to share or say? I think, I think from me to whoever's listening here, a lot of people said, you know, you'll get through this and there'll be light at the end of the tunnel. And that's true. But in the beginning, it really seemed like a really strange thing to say that I felt really difficult accepting because mm. it's really easy to say, oh, yeah, you'll get through it in the end. Mm. Um, and I remember thinking about the, the, the tunnel going, mm. that my tea light candle has just like blown out at the end there's no light and then the light would flicker again mm. and now I can I now I'm on the steam train and I'm going through that tunnel <laughs> heading for the exit mm. yeah. but it's just remembering through the tough times just that you've been through the absolute I mean the the most difficult thing in this is recognizing that it's a dysfunctional relationship mm. getting the hell out of there before you endure any more shit mm. and then taking back control of your life mm. and it's possible because mm. we've all done it mm. but it is hard work mm. and stick with it mm. stick with it completely mm. such great examples of what's possible when you you know take on your 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 shit as we called you earlier on your shit on your shit working on it and being committed and seeing it you know it is a lifelong process but mm. i think we become much more aware and evolved and we kind of fine tune mm. as yes. we go on yes. you know we do yes. the groundwork at the beginning yes. but as time goes on it's more about the fine tuning and mm. and really allowing ourselves to create the life that we want to live like not holding back mm. really taking control and just not even denying yourself of what you want regardless mm. of what other people are going to think you know and releasing that judgment of yourself and just you know i think if that can be the catalyst for you then i think you've really been able to move through one of the most difficult things that i think anyone can experience in life mm-hmm. so yeah. thanks so much for joining me and thanks to everyone for listening um as always i love hearing from you i would really love if you could support by giving me a review and a rating um through your chosen app Um, It really helps to support the podcast and to reach more people. And yeah, thank you so much again. And I look forward to speaking to you soon.